can begin. We have to kind of stop being an individual and start being an entity and start being an actual organization that does things systematically. It's not like this is me in my job as a business owner. Like, no, the business is an organism. The business has to live and breathe without your presence. We are controlling transmission. Tweet Talk episode 74. It's lit. This podcast is brought to you in part by investatheteam.com. We have created the official merch of generational wealth. You have to shift your mindset from employee to you can't fire me the boss. Always remember, no sacrifice, no reward. Hood Estates, exclusive collection available at investattheteam.com. Now back to the world's greatest podcast. Are we on the air, Tweet sugar? Dope. What it sounds like to be the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Yes. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Millionaire himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. Episode Brett Farr. That's all I got for number four. Did we do a Chris Weber Did we do a Chris Weber already? We, we definitely did a Chris Weber one, man. That's what I Definitely. What is new in Todd Capital World? The Barbershop Chronicles are back in effect. We got a bid from one of the uh, the mechanics about replacing some items on it to get the engine going up. Mobile there might be some other, other issues that we have to throw at it, but we essentially might just be preparing it to sell and just liquidating it um, unless we can get some value in it. The first round of repairs they gave us was $1,000. Um, so we'll see what the second round of repairs is going to look like. And uh, if the second round of repairs is too crazy, then we'll have to just figure out um, the exit strategy for it. The good news is we are in the process of uh, acquiring more rental properties. So under contract, just got the title commitment back from the closing agent. So we should be closing hopefully in uh a week to 14 days, maybe longer. So we'll add that to our portfolio. Already talked to my contractor who handles our rent turns. I told him, hey, as soon as the lady's out, we're going in, we're stripping everything needs to be stripped, paint, floor, maybe upgrade the tile in the bathroom, put a tenant in there. We have a tenant showing for the house we just finished rehabbing, which was a fire damaged property. Um, took care of that rehab. It took a little bit of some time. And so we already have like a ton of apps for that house. We'll have a showing on Sunday. Hopefully have it filled within that week. And I already got my other contractor heading over to the two unit. So we turn it up, man. Um, Getting a lot of deals. A lot of people are sending us deals now, which is great. It's great to have cash when people are fearful during a pandemic because prior to the pandemic, I couldn't get nothing. I literally could not get a deal. And so it's great that maybe People can't travel internationally because they sell a lot of Detroit homes to international buyers. They're not buying, they're not selling it to American buyers. So now American buyers have the ability to kind of swoop in. So we're just loading up, man. I want it all. That's why I strive for it. So it's so funny. Um, I put 20 personal doors on my, uh, on my pay, on my vision board. And so I was like, we only got two months. We got to turn it up. (laughs) So we're going to turn it up and see what we can accomplish in these in these next few months. And 
if we only get 10 personal doors, so be it. But uh, thinking of different strategies to get there, maybe leveraging some financing, talking to some banks, talking to some private lenders, hard money lenders, thinking about leveraging the capital that we have, which could then which could then definitely get us there. We have the track record of running and turning units. And so it should be a no-brainer to any lender. And we just bring the capital to the equation and it's just off to the races at that point. I hear you. Aim for 20, you might get 10. Right. And you probably wouldn't get the 10 if you didn't aim for 20. True. Very, very true. But um, it's like you had a tweet saying all cash flow matters. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny because I was talking to my I was talking to my contractor who I hadn't really talked to in a while, about a week or two. And um he had painted he had painted the other the one of the homes we own out there the bottom was this ugly teal blue and so i was like no bro that that makes the house look really stupid really foolish and then he sent me a picture of the house and the bottom is painted black because i kind of wanted to go like black trim kind of modernize it a little bit so the bottom's painted black the trim on the house is painted black and the house is painted white and then the door i think is red so I kind of wanted to add value because the goal now is to add value to our properties, not just to be cash flow on bandos. And so um, he sent me a picture. I was like, that's that's a good looking crib right there with the black on the bottom, the black. Trim. I was like, that is a good looking house. Black gutters. I was like, that is dope. New roof. You can tell when a roof is new just based on the, the you can tell if they have discolored tiles, all that stuff. All that stuff makes the house not look good. But you put a new roof on their new paint job. And I was like, that's a good looking house. Um, but again, I was reminded of all the other ways that I generate income. I was listening to CEO Trey Brown. I always call him that because that's what he calls himself. Uh, the kid who has Spurgo. And I was just talking about this. I was like, bro, like I listened to this kid talk and I was getting lessons from a 14 year old. Granted, I'm sure this is something that he learned from somebody who was older than him. But nevertheless, he was just breaking it down. And one of the things he was talking about is he was talking about multiple streams of income. And so he was saying like, yeah, you could have a rental property. People always need a place to live. You could have trucks. People always need to be able to take goods to and from one location. You also have your business. You also have all these different streams. And the reason why that resonated with me in the gym that I took from that is I always step back and try to say like, oh, should I get into this business? Like, oh, well, that's not my, my lane. That's not what I do. Like, should I get over there? And he was like, no, like you have to have multiple streams of income. And that's going to look like maybe you're in multiple different businesses. And that's okay because as you're diversified within those different classes, when one's doing well, it funds the other. The other's doing well, it funds the other. You never know. Real estate is, is the base, but you never know when one might need to carry the other. And so it kind of, it allowed me to get some thought and realize like, you know, I can't ever stop doing one thing. I can't stop building digital products because I have enough real estate. No, you got to keep doing them all. You got to put your energy and effort into them all. You got a 10X. That's what 10X is. That's why he has the octopus with a bunch of arms. You got different arms getting money in different locations. And so it kind of, and, and that's one of the things we're looking to do is in uh, 2021, starting a trucking company with my father-in-law who actually drives trucks. And we're like, it's time to be the boss, man. And so I shared that one video of the dude who went from driving a truck for one company to own his own truck. He went from making 30 cents a mile to making $3 a mile. My father-in-law was like, you know, if he, he his thing is he could just drive the truck. He doesn't even have to hire a driver. 
if he goes from driving a truck for somebody else to driving it for himself, he'll take his income from about a hundred thousand a year to like two hundred thousand dollars a year, probably more. He's like he could be making like a quarter million dollars a year just driving the truck because you get everything. You get the little thirty cents they're going to give you, but you also get the big piece of chicken. You also get that three three dollars per mile, and you probably don't have as many expenses as that one guy has because now you're funding yourself. One dude driving a truck for himself as opposed to driving it for another man feeds the whole family. A quarter million dollars goes far, Raphael. All he had to do was shift from employee to boss. And the great thing about it is now you have all of us supporting him. Now you have my wife making sure all the loads are picked up, doing all that stuff. She don't got to work anyway. Now you have his wife doing whatever she does, branding, marketing, advertising. Now you have me just being the finance guy. All I do is manage the lenders, manage the loans, make sure we got the capital to fund things and maybe start expanding the business. That's why ownership is so important because ownership is more broad than just you. Ownership is the solution to all of our problems. Entrepreneurship is a solution to every single one of our problems. Your kids don't got money to do whatever entrepreneurship. I remember, I never forget. I was talking to Miss Cynthia Hawkins, the owner of the restaurant in Watts. And she was talking about how her brother or her, her brother used to have a lot of legal trouble growing up, but like all the police officers in that community respected her dad. They like, he was the man. He got done what he needed to get done. Everybody in that community knew him. Why? Because he's a boss. He owned land. He owned his business. He owned multiple businesses. People want to work with bosses. Bosses dictate politics. We're over here complaining about politicians. Bosses ain't worried about who the president is. They don't give a fuck. That's employee stuff. Employees like, I hope we get this person to win because if he wins, then I'm going to get me some minimum wage. Bosses do not care. Politicians bow down to bosses. Politicians bow down to the people with the bucks. You want to know why? Because that's who got them in office in the first place with their donations, all that stuff. They work for them. You want to know the reason why Barack Obama didn't do nothing for us? Because we didn't finance him. We didn't back him financially. All the other communities put their money behind him. He had an obligation to them. And that superseded his skin color. That superseded who he represented. And so they were just happy with the fact that he represented them. Why? Because they didn't invest. They didn't expect to return. If you put money up, you expect to return. I expect to return on my politicians. And so that's why entrepreneurship is key. It's bigger than just the money to buy things. It's power in and of itself. Yeah, that's true. Um, we did not finance him. He was he was actually chosen by other people. We we think like we had, we actually chose him, but we didn't actually choose him. He was presented to us. He was the only black option. And we 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 think we chose him. We didn't choose him. He was chosen for us. We just voted him in. And like I said, other people financed him because we sure did. Yep. So then we couldn't we didn't make demands, but we also we couldn't we couldn't make demands because we didn't fund him even though we have the funds to do so. And that's the thing is it has to become a priority. We, for some reason, think that just getting the candidate that you want in office makes a difference. I don't think that it necessarily does. Um, It's shown time and time that it doesn't really make a difference. And 
if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, what do you expect? It's like we've shown that we can pull our money together and make stuff move. We've done it with Tulsa. We've done it with Julian Gordon. We've done it with Investor. We've done it with Nike and Michael Jordan. But it's like, that's always tell people, like, do you really want change or do you just want to, like, be mean to white people? Because a lot of people, like, they just want to be mean to white people and say mean stuff and make them feel bad. Like, they think that's the win. And so that's, like, the the extent of their action is saying and doing and trying to punish white people as opposed to building something. It's like, oh, we're going to get you fired. We're going to destroy your business. We're going to shut you down. But is that actual change or is that just hurting somebody who hurt you? I would rather win in life. I would rather win through my success than through beating somebody down. That's that's why I am where I am, because I've ran against people who hated on me, who said stuff about me. And you know what I do? I put that energy and effort into work. I put that energy and effort in a tie capital. I put that energy and effort into proving them wrong. Perfect example. Blacker pockets, or even with um, the B real estate beef. Like I didn't put that. I, I don't, it's not even in me to want to attack somebody else. I was thinking about that. I was like, I legit have people who are literally going out of their way to knock me down a peg, and I don't even retaliate because I just don't give a fuck. That is that doesn't yield to me. That doesn't yield. I do things that yield. Building a business, creating success yields. I could pass that down. I can't pass down a, an online beef with somebody I never met in person to my son. It's, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And so the same thing should be true for our community. Let white people do whatever. What are you building? You want safer communities? What are you building? You want more wealth, better jobs? What are you building? Build something. Nobody cares about your protests. Nobody cares about none of that stuff because all you're going to do is morph the oppression. It's going to go from being oppressed this way to being oppressed that way. And you're going to think you won, but in reality, just kick the can down the road. Yeah, so that brings to mind what you, what you always talk about is that, you know, business is about way more than just the money. It's about yeah. feeding more than one, fa- it's not just about feeding your family, it's about feeding the whole community. You're feeding a bunch of families. Um, it's the power to make change. It, it's the power to, to call shots. And it's like in Powernomics, the book, if you haven't read the book Powernomics by Dr. Claude Anderson, you need to read that one. And he talks about the five level story building, the five story building that, that people need to build. And he said, you start with the money first and you start with business and then you move to the second level, which is pol- politics. Stop trying to do politics before you get the money right because you need the money to buy the politicians. And if you can't, he, and like he says, if you can't buy them, rent them. And it don't matter if they're black politicians or the white politicians. Mm-hmm. Can't buy them, rent them. You know, we so we so um, caught up in getting politi- politicians with a black face, and they still doing they they still doing white policies or whatever you think, whatever it was that you were trying to avoid, you're still getting more of the same. It's just a black face attached to it now. You kind of touched on this this concept. You said when stocks get too hot, I put my cash in homes. When homes get too hot, I put my cash in stocks. Okay, yeah, fine. Yeah, fine. Yeah, fine.
Okiefa Shades is the premier choice for sunglasses. Top quality, unique, signature, fresh, trendy. Our shades provide significant UV light protection for eyes, and we have the best customer service around. The freshest and trendiest styles for both men and women. The finest shades to fit your style. Okiefa Shades is the premier choice for sunglasses. Visit www.okiefashades.com. That's O-K-I-Y-E-F-A Shades.com. Or on IG or Facebook at Okiefa Shades. Or on Twitter at DJ Ebrock. <laughs> it's funny because that was an old tweet, but I was reminded of that tweet because of all these real estate deals that are coming to me. So the market has changed. Before I was fighting people for deals and now deals are coming to me and I have my money in both spots. So we own stocks and then I'm also looking at real estate. But the point of that really is avoiding what's hot and buying the value. So an example of that is SPY, um, which tracks the S&P index. And so the S&P index got back to where it fell from uh, pre-coronavirus, and I took my gains. I didn't even think about it. I was like, I might be losing some gains on, on leaving some money on the top of the table or on the table, but at least I know that I've made a significant profit and I locked in my profit. You don't make your money until you lock in your profit. Everybody talks about, I made this much money, but did you sell it and did you lock your profit in? Because if not, that's just paper money. At that point in time, that's not really money in your bank account. So the strategy really, it's a fundamental principle that I, I live by is just buying value, seeking value, seeking distress, seeking something that has a potential upside, whether it happens when you buy or that happens within the foreseeable future. That's one thing that I'm looking for in any market. If you can learn how to invest in real estate, you can learn how to invest in anything. If you can learn how to invest in stocks, those skills are transferable. Um, just always seeking value, always seeking opportunity, always seeking to make that money when you buy, not in some hopeful eventual future, which is what a lot of people try to sell you. Like you're going to, you'll make money later down the line. Don't worry. You'll make money in your appreciation. You'll make money in the rent. No, I need to make money now. If it does not make money now, it's not a deal and I shouldn't be buying it. So what's your commentary on the stock the stock market as a whole right now? It's it's a, a really weird place to be. Um, I had this thought and I was thinking about how I was kind of leery of what's going on because usually when there's an election, the market kind of tanks. But one thing that I forgot about is usually it corrects back upward. So yesterday was a really bad day, but today was a really good day. So a lot of times the market just kind of shifts. And so unfortunately, we don't really know who the president is going to be. People think they know, but nobody really knows for sure. There's so much up in the air. There's a lot of questionable things that are going on right now. And that does impact the stocks um, because there's a lot of volatility. So, I mean, even the day of the election, Tuesday, stocks are doing great. Wednesday, terrible day. Today, great day. Who knows what we get tomorrow? I have no idea. I'm not even going to lie and tell you that I know. But I think that we just got to be on our toes. The goal is the long game here. So quite honestly, whoever wins this election long term doesn't even matter. Like that's right. one of the things that I think a lot of people make a mistake when they're investing is they're looking at the day to day movement and not the long term movement. And that's a lot of times how people lose money. I'm not sure if anybody's ever experienced this, but I have where you might own a great company, Apple, Tesla. Amazon, 
and they might get a rough patch and you might have a lot of money in there and they might lose like five to 10 percent. And then the news gets really bad. You're like, this stock's never coming back. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to just sell it and preserve my capital. And then you look at it six months, a year, two years, three years, it's doubled, tripled, quadrupled in value. The stock market game is a long-term game, just like the real estate market is a long-term game. The problem is since it's so liquid, you can just sell and take your money whenever you want to. And that is actually to your detriment. Real estate, you can't just sell. So you're kind of, that's why a lot of people can make money in real estate because you're kind of forced to make money. You have no choice. You couldn't sell it that quick if you wanted to, unless you're taking an obvious L from like a wholesaler. And so I think that despite what's going on, what really matters is are we holding on to quality companies for the long term? So you need to look at the quality of what you're holding. Is this a great company? Is this a company that is good financially? Is this a company that's growing? Is this a company that's stable? Or is this a company that is at risk? So you need to be looking at, I mean, some of these companies might not be coming back. I'm kind of worried about movie theaters, but I'm still kind of in them to a certain extent. Is this a company that's big and going to continue to grow? Is this a company that's just kind of benefiting due to COVID unnecessarily? Meaning that as like for Amazon, I think Amazon is kind of trading a little bit too high. And a lot of these e-com companies are trading a little bit too high. And so I always tell people that you have, you have one extreme, you have the other, you have companies that are being killed by COVID, like airlines, hotels, things like that, that are going to eventually correct back up. And then you have companies that are trading super high, maybe unjustly, that are going to probably correct back down as the market shifts. And so you don't want to be holding something that is overinflated. And that's why I sold SPY because I was like, even if it goes high, I don't think it's sustainable. At some point in the time, they're gonna, there's going to be a correction. So let me just get out of this, take my gains and go. That was my, my only goal was to get it from the bottom and ride it back to where it fell from. And that's what it did. So that is my take on the stock market. And that was a tweet talk, stock talk brought to you by the Todd Capital Options Course. Make sure to get that. We'll have the links in the bio. I mean, the show notes, what have you. So you had a, um, a tweet. This one is kind of, um, this one is kind of old, I think. I'm not sure. Oh, this one is. You said, I'm so caught up in this wealth phrase because I know how how taking L's tastes. <laughs> uh, I've tweeted that a few times. It's, it's, it's a Nipsey Hustle line, but I relate to it because I feel like in a lot of ways, the reason why I push entrepreneurship, I think in part is because I've always been an entrepreneur, but also because I felt what it feels like. And somebody tweeted this and they were talking about this, how when you're working a job and you lose that job and now everything that you have is questionable where you live, how you're going to feed yourself, how you're going to clothe yourself, how you're going to put gas in your car, all those things become a big question mark. And that is like ultimate level of fear. And that's happened to me. It hasn't happened to me recently, but it happened to me when I was a lot younger, uh, maybe not as professional as I should have been, but it was also during the height of the recession. I graduated into a recession. And so when I graduated college, I graduated at in 2009. So this is right like in the peak of things. So like, yeah, we always talk about 2007, 2008, but 2009 was like, it was a long recession. It was a long recovery, it was like a 10 year recovery. And so a lot of these companies like weren't really hiring. And if they were hiring, it was for sales positions. So I was working as a financial advisor. It was kind of tough to get clients. Um, and so that didn't really work out. And so from there, I, can't, I had like a few kind of odd end jobs. I was working at like an accounting firm. It wasn't really the greatest job. 
Um, and then from there, I started, um, I started, I decided to go to law school. And so I started working at a law firm and I went to law school. And so, um, and also I worked at Chase in between there too. But like, I just realized that not only do these jobs really not pay you enough to build wealth so, so that you can protect yourself in the event they decide to let you go, they also have the ability to let you go. So if you're working a job, you don't even have enough, you don't have the means to really just stash cash aside more than likely. You're probably living in a nice place, driving a nice car, going to restaurants and things like that, especially if you're in Los Angeles. And then on a whim, they don't got to warn you. Like, you know, when you like are going to leave your job, you can like say, hey, I'm putting in a two week notice. They don't got to give you a two week notice and they fire you. They could just fire your ass. And so for me, the reason why I push business ownership and entrepreneurship so hard is because I felt it and I never want to feel it again. And me saying that people probably can't really appreciate the gravity of that, but it's ultimate fear. If there's like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and then we also talk about needs-based business, at the very bottom of that is where you're going to live and how are you going to uh, uh, feed yourself? All those come into question. Granted, you can sometimes circle back and move back with your parents, but that's like a worst case scenario, last resort. And so I just been running it up and I'm at a place now. And I think I told my wife this, maybe my mom, but I was like, it's, it's great because that's an, a big part of the reason why I'm so pro paying for home and cash is because it's freedom. You never have to worry about, I have a very harsh personality. I'm just not a likable person. I don't go out of my way to be liked. So I can always get let go from a job. I'm very, I guess, egotistical. I think very highly of myself. And so the home is you got to start protecting yourself and hedging yourself against what could potentially happen. Um, I'm not naive to think that jobs love you. They keep you as long as they need you. They're not your homie. They're not looking out for your best interest. They keep you as long as you need you. Um, so, yeah. Um, but what I was going to say is that we're kind of in a position now to be financially free, where it's like the house is taken care of, but I still show up to work. So all my checks just get stacked and I love it. I love to see paychecks just stacking on top of each other, stacking on top of each other, stacking on top of each other. And then it's like, once they get to a certain number, I just move it over to an investment account. Um, and then I get to eat how I want to eat. I go to Uber Eats, I eat whatever I want to eat. I might order something right now. But um, that's that's the big motivation for me. It's not just like I want to be able to drive what I want to drive and all that stuff. It's like, no, I never want to feel that pain again. I never want to feel that uncertainty and that fear again, especially when you have a family like you really can't do it then. Stuff. These people have the control over you and that's not a good feeling to cut your legs out from you. No warning. You just yeah. out there like that, man. That's and then it's like, it's no telling how long it's going to take you to get another job. So you're just like out here just floating. Like, I don't know what I want to do. Yeah, there is unemployment insurance, but I found that a lot of times when you get unemployment insurance, you tend to kind of drag it out. Um, they give you a year, you're going to take a year. <laughs> like, right. I can't find no jobs. What am I going to do? Right. But, they, say, they say people always, they seem to find a job right when it runs out. Like, mm -hmm. You know, when it runs out, all of a sudden people can find a job all of a sudden. Yeah. That's why I told my mom, I got fired. I forgot what job it was. And she was like, were you going to get your blah, blah, blah? I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. I was like, I want to I want to feel what it feels like to just get it. The last job that I left, I literally left it with no job lined up. You want to know why? Because I decided I'm going to be a full time entrepreneur now. I was like, let's do it. 
And then my wife was like, I'm pregnant. I was like, damn, got to go back to work. <laughs> she she told me, like, I told her, I was like, yeah, I quit my job. And that's what she told me. She's like, well, I'm pregnant. So I don't know why you did that. It wasn't the best way to do it, but it's all good. Todd Consultant presents the Vending Machine Business Webinar. You can only have one job, but you can have as many vending machines as you want. This is your chance to see how we do business and how you can start your very own vending machine business. Avoid the mistakes we made and start winning. You'll be shown how we find, negotiate, buy, and manage our vending machine business, generating thousands per month, and how it has unlimited scale. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. It wasn't the best way to do it for either one of y'all, but. Right. You better go back to work, Bubba. You got a baby to feed. I was like, okay, thanks for telling me. And you said, you had a tweet saying, um, build a company you always wanted to work for. You know, like we're saying, this is about more than just the money. It's about the environment you want to be in, being able to work with the type of people you want to work with. And I'm not just talking about uh, skin tone or race. You know, when you have a job, you got to work with who's there. You don't get a say in who your boss is. You don't get a say in who the owner is. You don't get a say in who they bring in from outside. Unless you might get to interview some people, but that's about it. For the most part, you don't get to choose who you work with. Not the people on your level or above, that's for sure. Like we talk, uh, we talk, we talk about this kind of stuff in our brand new ebook. Don't be a little b. Start a little business. Available now at gumroad.com/tweettalk. Pick it up, folks. And we're gonna transition into our black billionaire banter with the spotlight this episode on. In in honor of the uh, the election, we're gonna we're gonna focus on Kanye West, <laughs> Mr. Ye himself, who was confirmed by Forbes magazine maybe about six months ago as finally crossing billionaire status, even though he's been crying it himself for a little while. But according to Forbes, at the time, Kanye was worth $1.3 billion. And the breakdown was about $17 million cash, $35 million in stocks, some real estate, about $81 million in buildings and improvements, whatever that means, $21 million in land. And surprisingly enough, for I think for most Average people, his music, the, the part of his fortune that came from music was only worth about 90 million between his label, good the, the good label and his own recorded music and his publishing was only worth about 90 million according to, to Forbes. And he had about close to $300,000 worth of livestock. And the bulk of his fortune over a billion dollars came from the brand Easy, which he owns 100%, which is really interesting. And so we always say ownership matters. Yeah, it's it's so funny because I I think that he's probably sold. Uh, he could be a billionaire with music if he actually owns his masters. Um. 
And so since he doesn't, he's an employee slave. But with Yeezy, he has a stake in, he has a stake in the actual sales, not just what they pay him, not his, his royalties or whatever that looks like. So it's so interesting how they always say it's not the profession that you do, it's the quadrant that you operate in. So you could be doing the same thing, making music, but now you own your label, you own your masters, and now you're making Birdman money. Now you're making Master P money. Same industry, different quadrant. And so now I think that's why he he was so focused on ownership with Yeezy and why he was willing to leave Nike. And I love his leaving Nike story so much because people called him crazy, Raphael. I'll, I'll never forget. I always talk about this story because it just resonates with me so much how people on Twitter had all the answers. They're like, Kanye is crazy. He's leaving Nike. Why would you leave Nike? Um, what did they say? They said uh, he'll never find another company that wants to work with them, blah, blah, blah. And I think this is why Kanye said he doesn't take advice from people less successful than him. I was listening to his, his interview and he was like, people are so arrogant with their advice. He was like, why are you so arrogant with your advice? You don't even come to me for advice. And I'm the most successful person that I know. <laughs> I thought that was so fire because it's true. When people are speaking into your life, they just, I know all, I know all things. And it's like, well, if you know so much, why, why, why aren't you the billionaire? Why aren't you the person who's doing deals with Nike since you are so wise? And so that's why you got to block out the noise because most people don't know. I don't listen to nobody, really. I just be doing my own thing, tweeting what I want to tweet, saying what I want to say, because most people don't know. They think they know, but a lot of them are just parroting what somebody else says. So shout out to Kanye, as always. Yep. Um, name one genius that ain't crazy. So that was that was funny when he said that, but it also made so much sense, man. Is like, why would I listen to you? If you were, so, you claim to be so smart, but you've never asked me for advice, and I'm the most successful person I know. That makes sense. <laughs> if he's the only, if if he's the only billionaire in the crowd in the crowd that you know, why are you coming to him asking for advice? I mean, he made a good point. People, man. it's it's very interesting. Like people, they just are so like you said, arrogant in their ideas. Like I know, like people are like, like Jay-Z said, it's like everybody can tell you how to do it, but they've never did it. Like everybody, they, they, they can. You ask, and I think it's because they don't want to seem ignorant. Nobody wants to say they don't know. And so they'd rather just like fudge it based off of what they've seen somebody else do or what they think might work as opposed to saying, I don't know. I don't know how to do that. And just admit that they don't know. Right, man. It's strange with the whole success thing. I remember a long time ago, our friend's real estate agent, and he was telling me about another guy in the office who was making so much money or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's cool, man. So all you got to do is like pay attention to him and see what he's doing. And kind of like do that too. And he was like, nah, man. You're not doing nothing special. I feel like that's why sometimes people are just a lost cause, man. 
And right there, I shut up. I shut up. I didn't say anything else to him. So it made no sense to me. So you say this guy is making money handling this, going crazy. He's working in the same office as you. You're, you know, we had time. You're not making any money. I'm telling you to kind of like copy what he's doing. You're saying, I don't need to copy what he's doing. He's not doing anything special. I was like, all right. Whatever you say, man. Anyway, so they say that um, Kanye gets like a 15% royalty from Easy every year. Hmm. You know, but the key, the biggest thing is between that and the and the 100% ownership. So, like you said, shout out to Yeezy. Well, Nike wouldn't pay him a royalty, I think. I think they're like licensing his name or something like that. I don't know. I don't know how that works, but just part, that's probably just that's paying him a, probably just paying him a licensing fee. Yeah. That's how you make your money. Make your money at scale. Right. On the other hand, contrast that to Alan Iverson, who kind of popped up today for some reason. I don't know. He popped into my head today. And then I saw you were tweeting about him for a little bit. And I don't know if you heard about this lifetime deal that he signed with Reebok. So apparently back in 2001, when he signed with Reebok, Iverson, somebody at Reebok decided to give him a, a lifetime deal. Where he's he's to this day he's getting paid eight hundred thousand dollars a year, which is probably what keeps him afloat. And they also nice. set up a trust for him that he can't touch until he's fifty or fifty. I think it's fifty-five. He can't touch it until he's fifty-five. About thirty-two million dollars in the trust, which will be cut in half once once it happens because of the divorce. So he's gonna mm-hmm. get half that, so like sixteen million, which is. Which ain't bad, but at the same time, it, it ain't gonna last that long. But you know, it's 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 a little out of the box. But you know, he's getting a flat eight hundred thousand, so I don't think he's getting royalties because they're still selling his sneakers to this day. Those first questions, those were hot. Those are some of the hottest sneakers out there. Ain't, ain't too many sneakers outside of Jordans that were hotter than those. That's an interesting deal here, but definitely a big contrast. His his expenses are way too high. Out there spending crazy, like, but whatever. <laughs> so you don't hear about him too much now. Spending too much. Spending like $10,000 on food every month, on groceries, 10000 on restaurants, 10000 on clothes a month. How much clothes are you buying every single month? That's what we heard in divorce proceedings. But anyway, <laughs> that was our Black Billionaire Banter brought to you by Views Premium Goods, a Todd Capital brand. We're moving on to some more tweets. So, Charles, who said, does Coke stop running ads? Or does McDonald's stop running ads just because you don't like them? Are you the, because you don't eat McDonald's? Or because you don't like Coke? They keep yeah. pumping them. I feel like that was me talking to myself again. 
kind of pumping myself up and then sharing it with the timeline. I ran maybe like three ads today. And then we, we set up another round of like four or five ads. And I was thinking to myself, like, you got it. This is, we're in the business of running ads. If you don't run ads, people are going to forget that you exist. And so I was even thinking today, I was like, you know what? I want to, I want to be on these things every single day, just pushing it, pushing it, pushing it because that's what the big boys do. And also I've just seen that it works. It works when you invest in your ads. I was listening to Neo and he was just saying like, invest everything back into your brand. And then I was thinking, I was like, man, I got this cash sitting here. Imagine if I just took 20 grand and just invested into my brand, just a bunch of stuff. Like, what could I do? Where would I be with $20,000 invested into my brand? I have a new website. I have all that stuff laid out. I have all these things just laid and you'll be able to see the presentation. I mean, you can look at my Instagram page right now and just see how you can tell it's quality. And I spend about $1,000 a month on content. And every Friday, I'll get another batch of content tonight. Every Thursday, there's going to be a batch of content. It's going to be in there. And I don't get a chance to use it all. Now I have Sheridan. It's set up on um, like auto whatever. She automates it. And so I, I always want content going out there. I always got to stay relevant. I always got to stay in their face. And that's just a part of being a business owner is we have to, we have to kind of stop being an individual and start being an entity and start being an actual organization that does things systematically. It's not like this is me in my job as a business owner. Like, no, the business is an organism. The business has to live and breathe without your presence. And so we set it up, we automate it, we invest the cash, we continue to build it up, we continue to get more branding, we continue to get more cool stuff to make us like that much more polished. And then you start separating yourself from the pack. You separate yourself from people who aren't willing to invest into their brand, who aren't willing to advertise, who aren't willing to do those things. And now you're setting yourself up another notch. And so now you're on a different plateau. When they look at you, they don't even see other people. And that's my goal. My goal is to separate myself from the pack and create a moat so that people can't just easily copy what I'm doing. And so whatever that looks like, that's what we're doing. We're going to invest in getting that website. We're going to invest in getting that mobile app. We're going to invest in getting all these really cool stuff that's not easily, easily kind of like emulated. And so now we have an advantage. Now we have a monopoly. Now we can't be stopped. But the key here is you have to systematically and continue to advertise. Like it can't be something you think of and it's okay to run the same ad over and over and over and over and over again. That's the same thing. That's something I've said also. It's like Coke, they run the same ad, the same ad. They might tweak it and get more stuff, but you're going to see the same commercial on TV for a while. It's not like every commercial is a new commercial. No, it's the same. I don't watch a lot of TV, but if I did, I guarantee you, I see the same uh, Mr. Clean commercial. You start knowing the words to it. Like Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean, like they should actually know you like that. And so that's where I'm trying to get. I'm also trying to get into doing uh, video content and doing content and me talking and me showing that I'm a person um, behind the brand as well. Cause I found that that kind of helps and just dropping gems and sharing knowledge and really trying to blow it up. I was like, my goal is a million followers. I want a million followers at Ty Capital. I don't just want to be satisfied with where we are. Like how can we 10 X that? And it's going to take 10 X advertising, 10 X action. 
And if we aim there, I know we'll get there. We got to blow it up to that level and not just be content with what we've accomplished. So you think your sneakers look good, huh? Check this out. (laughs) Even the most exclusive sneakers once purchased look identical to everybody else's sneakers. Can I get a holla holla? So how do you take your boring regular sneakers and convert them to unique dynamic sneakers that will stand out? Yo, that answer is easy. You need to get laced with Get Laced Shoelaces. Yeah, Get Laced is a lifestyle shoelace retailer dedicated to inspiring customers through a unique combination of products, creativity, and cultural understanding. We just want you to upgrade your sneakers. So get laced. Visit GetLacedLaces.com or check us out on Instagram at GetLaced.com underscore upgrade your sneakers with a black owned business that provides international shipping wholesale custom and fundraising options upgrade them sneakers baby he's a genius man get yours today at getlacelaces.com premium sneakers need premium laces so you also had a tweet where you said thousand really feels like the new hundred nowadays yeah it's it's you have to like stop yourself because it's very easy to just drop bread. I was at I was at uh the outlets, the um the Cabazon outlets, which out here is like an ultra high-end outlet place. So they got like Tom Ford, Gucci, like they had a Breitling store. And I was like, I used to look at Breitlings like that was untouchable. And I was like, now I could just walk in there and buy what I want. And I was like, that's that's like what happens when you get rich. Like being rich is able to buy whatever you want. But like my wife, she's doing all this shopping for the house. And so she's buying a table. The table costs like $1,800. Um, but I think we're going to get a discount on it. We can get it for like $1,400. She's buying a couch. She's buying all these different things. But you realize it, like, like you were saying, like Alan Iverson was spending $10,000. Well, when you have that much money, spending small money, you don't really feel it. So it's like if I, if I, like I bought um, a fridge or Sheridan bought a fridge, it costs like a hundred bucks. I didn't even see the transaction. I'm over. I just, I, I walked in the office and I was like, damn, it's a, I forgot I ordered that fridge. Uh, I'm glad she ordered a really cool one. It has like a little blue light as a clear front and everything, but I literally yep. did not even see the charge. Like when you have not only the money there, but also the income coming in, you don't really see the small transactions. It's the big stuff that you see. It's the thousand dollars that you see gone. It's the table. Like if I look at my checking account and I'm like, what did she buy that cost $1,700? And it was like, oh, I ordered, I, for, I, don't, I put the money down on the window coverings. Buying a house is very expensive. It's not just a down payment, people. You got to buy everything. But yeah, it's just something that I've been, I mean, it was a tweet, but it's also true, but it's also like something I don't want to be true. So I'm fighting against that. I'm like, I don't want to go buy a GMT. I don't want to do these things. I just want to chill and relax and not do anything crazy. But I went into the Tom Ford store and I saw some Tom Ford sunglasses and they were like 200 bucks. I was like, that's it? 200 bucks? I was like, that's not a problem. I was like, 200 bucks? It wasn't really nothing. I was like, that's nothing. It's the thousands that I'm watching. The hundreds, I don't really, I don't really pay attention to those too much. It's the thousands. And the same thing is true with income. I don't, if I haven't made $1,000 before noon, I start getting concerned. So it's like my income goals have changed too. And so a lot of people will say like, oh, you just spend all your money. Like, no, like my my income goals are way different. If I don't 
bring in through another side source of income at least 20 grand a week. I'm look, I'm like, what the heck is going on? Where's, where's my money? I'm going broke. And so like, that's the focus as well. It's like the focus changes on income, just like it changes on expenses. And so I don't trip off of small money when I'm making it. Just like my friend, he sent me a message today. He was like, hey man, I bought um, the vending machine course with my affiliate link, but I'll shoot you the cash back. I was like, bro, I ain't worried about no damn 50 bucks. I was like, I don't, I don't need 50 bucks. Like, I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about the big bucks. I, I mean, back in the day, I might've been like $50, you tripping. But it's like, even with the, the my wife, she like, she booked the maid. The maid comes twice a month. It's like 125 bucks per trip. I'm like, 250 is nothing. I would rather have a clean house that I can walk into than worried about $125. When you work, when you get your income from a paycheck, the small money matters. And that's because you're making small money. And so you need to get to the point where you're making big money. So small money is not an issue because I had this thought and I was like, I've said this before, but the world is priced at broke boy levels. So the world is priced such that somebody with a day job making moderate income can survive. So if you have a lot of money, survival is not even a factor anymore. It's, we're looking to thrive at this point. I'm not over here worried about, can I eat lunch? It costs $20. Can I put gas in my car? It costs 50 bucks. I'm not worried about that anymore. I'm worried about way other stuff. And that is a blessing in itself. And that's where I'm trying to stay. And that's why the cash we do get in, we're investing it into the brand and we're investing it into assets. And we're trying to continue to build this up because quite honestly, I want this. I, I remember in 2018, I made a bunch of money in options. 2019 was kind of flat. I never thought I'd have another year like 2018. And then 2020 came and we killed it. And so I'm like, I want to kill it some more. I want this to be my low income year. What else can we do? What else can we create? What else can we build? And so I'm realizing a lot of things. One of the things I realized is ain't nobody going to build it for you. And so you think that you're going to hire an employee and they're going to go out and they're going to scale your business. They're not. It's your job to scale the business. It's their job to manage the functions within your business. And so I just give them tasks. I don't expect anybody to promote, to advertise, to do none of that stuff with intention. People just are task oriented. And if you give them that task, they're going to bullshit it. I give people tasks and they just be doing the work. I was like, did you even put any thought into actually how we're going to format this? Because this is not compelling. I don't feel compelled to buy based off of looking at this caption. It, it looks like you just did it to say you did it. Like, and, and people aren't going to do that unless they have a true stake in it. And so like, that's why I'm shifting and making people so they have actually commission equity or building. But if you're just a salaried worker, you're going to be task oriented. And so the person who gets the commission, the person who benefits, if we make more sales, that's going to be me. And so I'm going to be out there pushing it, promoting it. And there's these things that you learn because you don't learn. Nobody taught us this stuff. You just think like, oh, I'm going to get employees and they're going to do it for me. Like, no, they're not going to, they'll do certain things for you, but they're not going to do the big bag stuff for you. They'll maintain what you build, but they won't build it for you. They're off building their own stuff. I've been seeing them. They go all in when it's their brand. They be doing all kinds of cool, creative stuff, taking initiative, doing extra content. I see it all the time, but I used to kind of get frustrated, but now I just know that that's what it is. And so that's the job of me is to continue to scale and market and promote and advertise and build and build and build. And then as I'm building, they can maintain it. Boss talk. <laughs> Boss talk. So you had a tweet 
where you said you don't need a million to be financially free. Yeah. Um, the other side of that is that being, having a million doesn't automatically make you financially free. Right. And so basically, I also had a similar tweet today and I was like, I'm going to make a $50,000 investment and it's going to pay for a $120,000 car. So what does that mean? Well, let's say you buy $100,000 in vending machines. $100,000 in vending machines should, at the very least, gross you $100,000 a year. It's going to net you $50,000 a year. I'm pretty sure $5,000 a month in passive income will take care of your living expenses unless you live in Manhattan. <laughs> you are financially free. You own your time. You can hire a vending machine route runner like I do. And now you just count money. That's why I had to get a money counter because that's all I do now is count money. So it's like, and he brings in the money now. It's great. I'm like, just bring me the money. It was great. Um, I still got to audit it and all that stuff. But like, you can get to financial freedom with a lot less money than you think you can. Mm. And so that is what I'm trying to tell people is you think you need a million when really you need freedom. Having the money without being free is a, is a curse anyway. It's like having the money, you still got to show up to the day job because you don't have cash flow. You could blow through a million dollars in two years and then you back to square one. And so what you need to do is you need to focus on putting that money to work and putting it to work through cash flow. And just, and that's just one example. I mean, a hundred thousand dollars, you could leverage that into $50,000, put that into 10 properties or to $500,000 rather put that into 10 properties, maybe even 20 properties. If you buy them, right? 15 properties. Now you're bringing in 12,000 12, a month passive, 100% passive. When you talk about real estate, you don't got to drive around and do nothing with real estate. That's the beauty of it. It takes you more money to get there, but it's 100% passive. And so that was all I was saying is we need to start focusing on creating cash flow as opposed to just running a bag up because a million dollars ain't nothing. You go out there, you buy two Lambos like Tony the Closer did, and now you you negative $400,000. Like, congrats. It The money goes a lot faster. I only really spend my cash flow. I Every single Gumroad check that I get gets stashed. It's stashed. It's in Robinhood, Chase Savings, Chase Brokerage Account, my other TD Ameritrade broker account. Everything is just in stocks. It's just all the Gumroad money is in stocks. The community money, that gets put into real estate and hard assets, vending machines, that kind of stuff. Because my goal is to protect my wealth with cash flow and income. Now, the great thing about it is we live in the age of digital products. And so I was able to use my mind to create different streams of passive income. And so one of the ideas we had is, hey, let's trade the trade, let's turn the trade of the week into a subscription. Hey, let's turn the mastermind into a subscription. Hey, let's, um, I think those are the two things that I did. And so th those things create passive income for me as well. So I got 200 people. I probably got like 400 people in all those subscriptions because the, the trade of the week thing has grown a lot. And so you take 400 times 20, that's $8,000 a month. And then I got dividends. I got $200,000 into SPG, $200 into SPG pay or $200,000 into SPG pays me 1400 a month. 
And then I also got the rental properties. And then I also got the vending machines. And I ain't have to use none of the other money for that. I literally have about whatever out. And that's allowed me to, in essence, be financially free. I still got to hustle. I still got to work. I still got to manage these things. But the income comes in. Right, right. And shout out to the um, Todd Capital uh, Business Mastermind Group. For sure. We're going to blow that up. We're going to blow everybody up who's associated with it. It was so crazy because it's that accountability factor. And I was telling Raphael, like, he had the book. He launched the book. My mom, she she launched her stuff. We just want people launching stuff. We want to be that that backbone for other people. Like, yeah, you might have it yourself, but it's like a, we can give you that nudge. We can be that coach for you, that mentor for you, all that stuff. It pushes me. I was like, I got to step it up. And this guy, Charles, I was thinking, you know, I was thinking, man, this this mastermind group is going to be good for sure. I was like, I was like, I was like, waffling, like, am I going to join? I said, I should join eventually. I was like, yeah, I'll join. I'll join. I was thinking about it. I didn't, I actually didn't think about it much. I was like, yeah, I'll join. Well, it wasn't on the front of my mind until one day I saw a tweet said something like, it's whack that Raphael is not part of the the group, the mastermind group. I was like, whoa. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, whoa. <laughs> this guy just took a shot at me. I take shots at everybody, man. But it's all in love. I was laughing. I was like, whoa, this guy took a shot at me. But I was, I was laughing so hard at, at it, though. I was like, damn. All right, bro. I was like, click, 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 click. Sign up right now. And I'm glad I did too, because that Talk Capital Mastermind group, the the value is there. And I've only been there for like a week, week and a half, two weeks, whatever it is. Shoot, less than that. that definitely less than two weeks. And you already see the value already. If you listen to this, you should be joining. We will have the links in the show notes. Join the group. Honestly, it's something I would do for free. It's just hard to commit to do things for free, right. if that makes sense. Um, it's a time thing. And yeah. so and it's it's damn near free. $20 is a cup of coffee, man. I spent $20 at Starbucks today. So it's worth the investment. Um, and yeah. the thing about, about charging for it is like, like somebody said, uh, I don't know who the first person said, but it's like those who pay pay attention and also those who pay get paid attention you know it's like mm. people people get more value with, people see see more value in something when they have to pay for it and also when somebody's paying you even if it's just 20 bucks a month you feel an oblig like tell me if I'm wrong but you feel a, kind of an obligation to people to give them value they're paying you even just 20 bucks a month right you feel an obligation to give them value yep 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 Everything that and and everything that I've done, that's if I'm being compensated for it, my goal is to to really go all in and make sure they're getting their money's worth. So the options course has five videos. Um, the options community has several channels, several paid admins. I do a weekly earnings call on Sunday, and then I also do the MVP call. So that's just two conference calls every single week. They get me for an hour 
And then other people, they do conference calls. And so we're just adding value, having questions. They got the voice chat going daily, all for 20 bucks. I don't know any other group that has a voice chat going daily. People in there making thousands of dollars. The value is definitely there. Yo, it's the Options Trading Workshop presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn $20,000 inside money in one year while working a job and running multiple businesses. That's right. Learn the what, the where, and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. Hey, man, sign up, folks. Yeah, don't look for those freebies, man. I feel like that actually kind of circles back to what we're saying about politics. It's like you actually should want your pol- you should you should want to put money in the pockets of your politicians. You shouldn't just be looking for that freebie. Because if you back them, they're really going to go to work for you. It's not just going to be like, oh, maybe we'll pass them a little law. Maybe we'll do whatever just to shut them up. Like, no, that becomes their motive. My motive is to make sure that everybody who has invested in me feels like they got a return on their investment. Why? Because I want to continue doing this. Politicians want to stay in office. And so if they don't give you what you paid for, they're going to lose their job. And so that's the strategy that we have to start employing is the free stuff is whack. That YouTube stuff is whack. That whatever you're getting for free obviously has not changed your life. If it uh-huh. did, you wouldn't still be complaining on the internet, throwing up hashtags. And that free stuff is too scattered. It's like you got to search for one video and then you got to watch like a whole hour to see if it has, if, if you're going to get what you were looking for in the first place, and it's like, ah, oh, man, now I got to watch another video, another video, and I got to piece it all together. Save yourself some time, buy a course, join the group. Like you said, there's accountability and there's encouragement in there. And there's advice in there. Like, I signed up for the group, jumped on the um, Zoom meeting call. And within 10 minutes off the call, it was I, I had downloaded an app that I never heard of. I was able to use that to create some content that very valuable. You know, I got so much value out of that when Paris was on there. So, I mean, I got my money's worth just for that one call. And then we were talking last night about the 50th law, the book from Robert Greene and 50 Cent, you know, and it was just encouraging talks to everybody about, you know, overcoming fear, launching products. And I wanted to say too, like uh, Michelle Welch was in there and she was talking about removing the stress from launching products. And like, she was right, man, before I launched, there was so much stress on me for different reasons. So you got to launch, get started, get fancy later, man. Most definitely. So yep. the group is awesome. Everybody needs to join. So I'm going to say about that. So Charles, you had a you had a tweet saying you don't have to fight everyone that wants to fight you. Mm-hmm. Um, not that deep, really. It's just a matter of I, I when we were growing up, that wasn't the case. When you were growing up, if somebody had a problem with you. 
you had to actually confront that problem. And I always thought that was stupid. Like, I just, I never understood the idea of like violence and fighting people and beating people up. And like, I just didn't grow up in a household that really pr- promoted that. But I know some people, their household does. And they're like, oh, you gotta, you gotta be tough. You better go out there and show them who's boss. And my family was never really about that. Um, I had cousins who were about that, but that was just never my MO. I've always just been like, I don't know. We didn't solve our problems like that. And it's funny because um, Zuby, his girlfriend, Zuby Music, he's like a verified Twitter guy. And uh, his girlfriend yeah. tweeted something. And she was like, oh, I love my boyfriend, Zuby. And I looked at her avatar and it was a white chick. And so I replied to that tweet with the Dr. Umar face because Zuby <laughs> is black. And uh, I'm sure he saw it. She was like, what does that mean? And I just ignored her. And so then I tweeted my like exercise tweet about like how I don't really like exercising because you got to keep exercising. You got to keep lifting weights. And he responded to my tweet and he was like, well, I hope you brush your teeth and take a shower. (laughs) And I thought that was dope because he returned a joke with a joke too often. And like, I wouldn't necessarily say it's in the hood, but people who were raised in the hood, because the way my, my high school was situated, like you would, um, so you had where I lived, you had like the other side of the lake. And so they, they put us all together. And so like when you're young and you think we're all black and all the same, you just be trying to be cool with the black kids. not realizing like you come from a different black family. And so you might not conduct yourself in the, in the same way. And so they would talk shit. And then I would talk shit back and then it'd be time to fight. Like, nah, he always talking shit. He always saying all this. I was like, bro, you was talking shit too. It's kind of like the bully. <laughs> it's like the bully. They'll talk shit until you start making fun of them. And then it's time to fight. Right. And so the good thing about being older is I realized like, I don't got to fight with everybody who has a problem with me. I don't got to interact with everybody who doesn't like me. I don't have anything to prove to anybody. I don't got to go back and forth on the timeline. I don't got to do none of that stuff. I just got to stay true to me. And that's just, that was my thought process. It's like, I'd rather focus on the positive stuff. I'd rather focus on what I'm building as opposed to focusing on like hating on somebody else or bringing them down. Like that doesn't improve my life. It might actually ruin my life because now I'm bringing myself down to their level of energy, engaging in that nonsense. It's like when they say, like, if you get into a fight with a pig, the pig gets happy and you get all muddy. And it's like, I don't want to be muddy. I want to stay on this level. I like being in the high road. I never, I got into an argument once with somebody on Twitter. and No, it was actually Doe Dubes. I got into an argument with Doe Dubes, and I was like, man, I'm not doing this stuff. He was like, look at you trying to take the high road. I was like, I'm not trying to take the high road. I am the high road. Like, this is how I live. I don't do that other stuff, the slant. I've never came at him by name and tried to hate on anything that he's doing. Ever. Mm. Mm-hmm. ever despite everything that's been said about me i literally have never attacked any of them by name by person tried to slander their business tried to drag them down in the mud tried to hate on them you've never seen me do that to anybody as we focus on what i'm doing right right it's funny because sometimes uh not sometimes but when gangsters give up the gangster life one of the reasons they do it is because it's just they get tired of it like 
you get tired of having to fight just because that's what they're supposed to do. Like somebody disrespects you in any way, you're supposed to fight them. You're supposed to punch them in the mouth. Somebody step on your sneakers, you're supposed to hit, to hit them. They say something funny to you, you're supposed to punch them in the mouth. It's like it's draining. Mm-hmm. You know, like you gotta protect your energy, man. And you had a tweet saying, "Y'all over here burning bridges over a buck." I can't relate. Um, so I just I found that I think people put money over relationships, and I, I learned this lesson a long time ago uh, from a guy. He was in business, and he sold somebody some jeans. And they never gave him the money back, but he never pressed him for the money. He was just like, it is what it is. And I thought that was so dope to have somebody owe you something and you not take it to heart. Not over here chasing somebody for 50 bucks. Like, oh, I need my money. Where my money at? Getting mad. And like, that's kind of how I am. And I, I learned that from him and I apply it to everything that I do. It's like, if you take advantage of me for money, you just lost because you lost everything that we're going to be doing. If you went off and ran off and stole my idea for a buck, (coughs) you lose because we're going to make so much more money in the long game versus the short game. And so I never trip over money. I never trip over money that anybody owes me, anything like that. Conversely, I always make sure that I pay people the money because I know people can get about their money. And so I get an invoice. I'll be paying that invoice. Down to the voice, boom. Uh, everybody who, who shoots me an invoice, boom. Here's your money. But I think that people have to think, they have to realize that money is great, but relationships and people matter more. The connections that you have with the people are going to yield you way more money. Than, a, than the little $4,000 that you took because you thought that was all the money in the world. And so even the money that people run off and they make off without you. So it's like, oh, you thought you thought $100,000 was all the money in the world. You thought buying a few homes was all the homes in the world and you lost out on the big stuff that we're doing. You lost out on my, I was talking about this on my, on my, on my what's it called, on my Insta snap. I was like, people will come to me They'll learn whatever I'm doing and then they'll peace out and they'll burn that bridge because I'm not going to continue to interact with somebody who got close to me, stole my idea and ran off and executed it without me. That's like the number one way to piss me off. That is the number one way is I had a situation where I I paid out a partner because he came in, participated in our deals and then went off and did his own deals and the stuff was like, I brought you into my stuff, but you can't bring us into your stuff. Like that doesn't make any sense. I'm giving to you. Why are you being selfish? And I'm giving. I know that giving is the way to win. They think that they're going to win by going off. And oh, I got two trucks now. I was like, that's cute. Your two trucks are cute. I'll own 10 trucks next year. I'll own however many trucks I decide to own next year. Even if I, I might even decide to go that route, but the relationship matters and you should not be over here. I'll, I'll, I'll ruin a relationship over personality conflicts before I ruin a relationship over money. 
if our if we can't really work together because our personalities aren't the same, that's different than four thousand dollars, five thousand dollars, a hundred dollars. And I think this is why our wealth mindset has to change as a culture. If you exist in abundance, you can't trip off of a few thousand dollars. If you exist in abundance and where we can build this to, you're not going to trip off of $2,000 a month in passive income from a truck. And so I would just encourage people to stop worrying about the small money. Like that's the thing. Stop worrying about the small money and focus on the big money. Because a lot of times it's the small money. It's people see, we made $1,000. Where's my 200? Like, bro, $200, you're tripping over 200. I would, honestly, I would actually feel like stupid getting into an argument with somebody over small money. Like that doesn't even make sense. When me and Chris were doing certain things through promo, he was doing, he was, uh, he was promoting it, but his affiliate code wasn't working. I shot him $5,000 on top of whatever his affiliate code even did just because I knew the value that he brought to that relationship. That's Mm -hmm. the kind of person that I am. I'm not going to let $5,000 ruin a relationship that could make me all the money that I've made. Quite honestly, that relationship has allowed me to thrive in this space. And so it's like, if all you want is five grand and we got to make sure we get this links right. We got to make sure we do all these things right. I'm going to pay you that $5,000 every day. And that's not small money. That's not a hundred bucks. That's not me asking him for anything. That was me volunteering it. I was like, bro, I'm going to give you the extra money. Don't even trip. He didn't even have to ask me. He just like made it seem like it was an issue. I was like, for sure. Cause the relationship is, the relationship is unlimited. The relationship that you have with powerful people cannot be measured in dollars. That's why, and a lot of times I've been willing to work for less than I should have been paid. I've been willing to work for free. When I started working at that family office, I was a free intern, Raphael. Mm -hmm. I worked there for a whole summer for no money. I showed up five days a week with a Juris doctorate and an undergrad degree in finance, and I worked for free. And you know what I did? In the evenings, I went and I worked another job. On the weekends, I went and I worked another job so I could make sure I was in that experience. I could make sure I was in that environment. think everything that I learned there by investing my free time is why I get to do what I do now. I don't, the money, like the money in that moment doesn't matter. The money that matters is that generational money. What can you leave your kids with what you learn or who you connected with? Right. Note to self, be sure to send Charles a nice invoice. But, but um, now you mentioned um, the internship. I've seen some people talk about you know unpaid internships is like exploiting people. I don't know. I think it's silly. Sometimes I see people complain about stuff, and I'm just like, "What planet do you live on? <laughs> what planet do you live on?" Because yeah. that's not the first time that I've done something. I think I probably I did the same thing in college, Raphael. When I was in college, I worked a free internship, and I was still working for the school district. And I think I had like two internships. I was working like in, in college, like my last year I had like three jobs. I was doing a lot. I had a lot of things going on. I forget what they were. I might've been working on campus, doing my internship and then doing something else. But like, um, I was like volunteering for something, but it's like, that's all I was telling my mom. I was like, I am a dog. 
I'm a dog. I work my day job and then I come right up the street and I put another four to five hours in Thai Capital every single day and on Saturday and on Sunday. I'm a dog. I love the work. We made a bunch of money and we still hungry. We still show up. We still make it happen. We're not just like, oh, I guess it's time for the vacation time. It's like, no, no. Now we focus on 10. Then we focus on 100. You need that dog. You need the person who is works for the sake of work, not work for the sake of the money. Everything we do, we do for free if we had to. We do the podcast. We don't charge y'all to listen to this podcast. And we pour a lot of energy and effort into this podcast. We stay up late for this podcast. We actually invest in the podcast. So (laughs) that's what it takes, guys. Mics and editing and Zoom membership and logos and whatever. You know, not going to go into all that. And if you didn't do the, the internship, you might never have seen the inside of a family office. Right. Well, if I wouldn't have taken the internship, I probably wouldn't have got the job at Edward Jones or Chase. If I wouldn't have done the internship, I probably, you're right. I wouldn't have even had, like, that was the win. The win was having access to somebody who had $200 million. I never even know anybody with that level of wealth, Raphael, like big wealth. And he's walking you through deals. He's showing you contracts. He's interacting with you on a daily basis. Do you know what that does to your mind? Every single person that, not every single person, but a lot of people that I've seen who blew up financially were in a space where they're exposed to wealth. Mm. Neo doing the Jets. Um, I can't think of another example, but like that Neo working with Jets really stood out to me. It's like you just start talking. Uh, what's his name? John Henry working as a doorman. Okay. Like right. when you get exposed to wealth, it explodes your mind to what's possible. It's those people who never step outside of their environment, who never know it exists, who just settle, man. Yep. And it's kind of like that acronym that you um you dropped in the the mastermind last night when you said the acronym for grow, G-R-O-W, get rid of your old ways. You gotta get rid of our old ways, people. Go to new restaurants. Go to an expensive restaurant and order a salad and sit there and soak it all in. Man. You know, yep. Go go see the yachts. Go to the dealership and see some expensive cars. Go to the expensive neighborhoods. You know, expand your mind. Get the experiences for the low. You don't always have to spend money. But on that note, we're going to wrap this up. Bring this one to a close, 74. Shout out to the advertisers. Shout out to investorsateam.com, home of the official merch of Generational Wealth, where you can get the You Can't Fire Me the Boss t-shirt. Shout out to Get Laces, because premium kicks need premium laces. So get your premium laces at getlaces.com. Be sure to get your all-natural Body care products from Pure Body Company at shop 
purebodyco.com. And also, shout out to Okiefa Shades. Get your shades at okiefashades.com. That's O-K-I-F-E-Y-A, shades.com. Shout out to Down the Voice for the editing. Just return another episode. We'll drop that tomorrow morning. Shout out to Black Folks Everywhere. Another episode of Tweet Talk in the Books, sponsored by Todd Capital. Be sure to get your affordable financial education at toddcapital.co. For episode 73 of Tweet Talk, the Black Wealth Podcast, Rafael and Charles, we are out. Yes, sir. What's good, Tweet Talk Podcast listener? This is Donald the Voice, the official editor and producer of the Tweet Talk Podcast. And so I want to come to you to tell you I'm doing a 50% off promo. That's right. I'm slashing the price. It's 50% off. Donald, why would you do that? Well, it's because doggone it, it's quarter four. And I know some of y'all are ready to get ahead of this 2021 momentum. And so I'm here to help you. So head on over to DonaldTheVoice.com. Go over to the contact tab. Or you can hit me up on Instagram at DonaldTheVoice. Voice, mention this promo and let's begin talking about your podcast editing, video editing, or voiceover editing needs. That's all I got to say. 50% off. Let's get it. Let's go. Have a good rest of the day. Keep building, baby. Keep building. That's what it is.